Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of church of the Church of St. George the Martin Kelsey, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's, just not my tongue today, which is not working with me. I am your host, Lindsay Shooters, on this exploration of faith during this time of continued and deepening and more complex crisis. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, my co-host, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman, who has, for this 10th Sunday after Pentecost, extracted the theme, the cost of our discipleship. But also, before we hit record, was saying that um, the plight of the prisoner is kind of a focus for, for the church this week. And it's interesting that it happens in the same week as Women's Day, uh, because the plight, the prisoner is usually the aggressor. So within the word disciple is discipline. Um, it is, the disciple is a root word to, to the word discipline, because you have to accept the discipline to be a disciple. And as part of that, I believe a lot of the costs that Christians do not understand that they sign up for, the NDA or whatever, the contract that they sign when they decide to become a Christian, is that of salvation. And salvation has more to do with the aggressor. It's, it's that moment where you have to confront the aggressor and truly forgive because if you can't do that, you can't really call yourself a Christian. What do you think about that, Father? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, it's very interesting that you use, before I go on, good morning, Lindsay, and thanks for the for the opening welcome to the, to the listeners as well um, for tuning in and um, critique, critiquing us where you possibly can. I think I grapple with um, the two things you just mentioned, uh, Christian and discipleship. You know, it's it's. Uh, I I think in terms of the context of a conversation, that discipleship is 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 a, a lot more to it than just calling myself a Christian, because with the word discipleship focuses uh, on um, following Jesus, um, both inclusive of the the words that we understood he had spoken in terms of the gospel writers and those who reflected on those in other writings of scripture. And um, it, it, it also then challenges us to not just learn, but to implement. And therefore, by implementation, we engage based on our understanding of the one whom we follow, the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. And um, so so yes it is it is a it is a deep i think a more deepening call the word discipleship to the transformation and conversion of the inner life of the the mindset that we grow up with in our culture and um and and to be very reflective as to how that in our engagement we engage in such a way that it's not to con them people, but to, to help plant seeds within them that can make them think about the necessary changes that must come in their life that are positive, mm. that would give their life a deeper meaning, as well as to ensure that the engagement with the world is of such a nature that it's contributive rather than destructive. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those compacts that... Yeah. 
that I found, like I was speaking to a <laughs> a fallen brother, if you will, um, another, another uh, well, not journalist at this moment, like an active media person, uh, quite well known um, in, in, in the spaces of gaming and and technology. And he was saying, I never knew this and I've known this guy for the best part of 15 years now. And I never knew that before I met him, he was like a youth pastor in the evangelical scene. And it was a, a crazy thing. And we were talking about at breakfast, uh, we were talking about why he decided to leave the church and then just going through that discussion. And around the table, I mean, there was a, a quite staunch Jewish fellow also and a quite committed um Catholic guy who's married to a Muslim. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so it was a, a interesting kind of mix of of, of people and like uh, some other like intellectuals as well, like editor of of, of a magazine and yeah, it, it was an interesting conversation going on and we were talking about the the othering that happens amongst Christians and it was a concern that came out of, of like the Catholic guy who also listens to this podcast. Uh, welcome <laughs> and. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 there's a compact that I mean I'm an agnostic, I've turned away from 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 the faith as well. That I I see a lot of people don't internalize, they don't understand. And I've I've discussed it on this podcast before, where you can't it's there's no half measures. It's like it's like training for a, a marathon. <laughs> you know, we were speaking about that before we hit record as well where you kind of have to go all in. You have to pitch up and do all the work to finish the race. And with with Christianity, it's like Jesus, if you believe what he said in the in, in the Gospels, Jesus ministered to all people. You know, he didn't make any exclusions. There was no othering, which then in this in this gospel of this week, which is according to I just lost my place now. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 56. I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism in which to be with which to be baptized and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Now from, from now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter. You know the line. You know this. This is a, a central doctrine in, in the Christian faith. And on the one hand, you have a kind of departure. Like, I understand at this point, Jesus is getting very serious about the mission at hand. Um, he's at the point where maybe feeling a little bit frustrated that the disciples aren't as committed as they maybe should be so he's trying to like rally the troops a little bit just sow some seeds of of discomfort just to get the point across like leaders will do this often there's a moment where everybody's not pulling in the same direction and with the same force that they should be and you just need to like have a little bit of a dressing down and say you know guys this is this is the way we need to do things and y'all aren't serious enough about it but then it's also a break from the character of Jesus again, where, like, this is 
one of the first times where there's a serious delineation or point of difference between those on the inside and those on the outside, which rubs up against the idea of universal love and inclusion. Uh, so what what is happening here? And and do you think it's it's healthy to have these points of reference where there's an active othering within Christian doctrine? Let me perhaps first uh, talk about othering. Um, it is very interesting that uh, this particular text, as I understand it, is Jesus saying, this is who I am and mm. this is what I'm about. If you choose to make the stand to say uh, no to me, I haven't made you other. I've just been true to myself, true to what I understood my mission to be in this world. Mm. Mm. Um, not everybody heard the words on the on the mount when the transfiguration happened. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Yeah. So yeah. in the valley, um, when when Jesus walks, then the rest of the mile towards the cross, and the cross becomes far more now the target of 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 these mission. Um, he has to be, I mean, from a human perspective, he has to become more real to himself. Yeah. He has yeah. to become more truer to himself. And the things that he would say would now be influenced by the understanding of what that cross ultimately means. I interpret uh, from the one perspective, the cross means death. Hmm. Um, it's death at the, at the political power uh, of, of of the powers that be, um, it was it was death, which resembled from a human perspective the betrayal or the falsified message according to the 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 order of the day. So he was now being criminalized. He would be criminalized. Mm -hmm. So the so from the one's perspective, it's about that death. The other perspective, it's that it was going to become. Uh, the passage of salvation mm. um, for for all who choose to believe. So what what am I all about? Who am I? And so I have to be honest with myself and with you. Mm. Um, I have a baptism with which to be baptized. In other words, the the whole idea of, of the theology of baptism is the full commitment to what you what your faith is you know once yeah. you are denied whatever sin is to you and you now an interest in tomorrow is baptism and so then you talk about your full commitment to this way there was um, a saint that we um, that was canonized in our church Manchin Masamolo mm. who, who died um, after her family discovered that she was on her way to be baptized um, and they killed her because it was a betrayal of their culture and the cultural faith 
to earn our newfound faith in Jesus. And the interpretation of, of, of her, the intention of going to be baptized at the church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The interpretation is that she was baptized in her own blood because of the commitment she had made. So baptism is, as it were, seen as an ultimate commitment to follow, uh, to, to follow through with what you believe. Mm. And, mm. And, and, and for that, Jesus felt stress until it, it happened. So yeah. it's about being true to yourself. It's about being true to the call that he had. Now, for those who choose to follow him, there would be opposition to them because they form part of a household culture. Uh, 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 they've been formed in a household faith. Um, they've been shaped to think in a particular kind of way. Um, and now Jesus comes and presents himself as the savior of the world, uh, challenging all the other things. So, and he was not saying this to a specific group of people but to all who choose to, to hear what, he is, what his message was about. So he's not treating anybody else as other. I believe he was being true to himself mm. uh, as a challenge to those who would follow him and those who choose not to follow him. Um, that is why I'm saying it's, it's far more easier to say I'm a Christian, much more difficult to admit to being a disciple because mm. a disciple, disciple is really a, an ultimate that ultimate decision yeah. uh, to, to be called Christian is probably by association, but to be called a disciple is by commitment. Mm. I can drive to that uh, because also in August, which is Women's Month in South Africa, um, there's this realness, there's this truth that men have to face. And it's a, it's a universal human truth that the aggressors, of gender-based violence are human, are men. And that potential to be an aggressor exists within all men, all humans. And it's that discipline, that commitment to being not necessarily a good person, but just a, 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 a good citizen of this earth where you can allow others to experience the same freedoms and joys that you expect for fulfillment. But yeah, knowing that, having that truth, speaking that truth to yourself, that within you is the potential to be an aggressor, and then using that as a tool. I like this one quote that, that you pulled out here. Um, it's from Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer. Probably yeah. that. The will of God to which the law gives expression is that men should defeat their enemies by loving them. So you listen to that and you're like, uh, loving your enemies when the person, the enemy, like has like bad thoughts <laughs> towards you. It's not going to change like their thoughts. But I think it's diffusing, it's more speaking to the idea of, of diffusing that bomb where it's like, that is a person. And Inside me is the same things that that person is capable of and has done. And offering a little bit of salvation, if you will, um, forgiveness 
for that flaw, that common human flaw? Yeah, I, I, again, it, it depends very much on, you know, we were talking about the Madison story and you really have to work on yourself and not look at the people you're running against uh, in the competitive world. Training involves the kind of information you need in your mind and heart to be able to exercise it through the body uh, in terms of an event. So you have internal messages, you've got internal uh, things that you've, and then you've, you, you, the internal message has been influenced by what is what you've read and what you've heard and so on and so on and so on. But, and that brings transformation in you, the runner, as you prepare for your marathon. And you've got to choose what is going to be helpful uh, to your cause. So I, I, we, we grow up in a culture, we don't know the context of each human being and why some end up um, uh, acting on, is it insecurity, acting on a violent formation in you, a man must be like this and a woman must be subservient and so 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 when the occasion arises in the mind of the perpetrator to to punish um, his female counterpart uh, to denigrate her to the status lower than himself in his own mind is because of the cultural stuff that is out there and i'm not talking about the open cultures where, we, where we're trying to find common ground to live in this world in a good way. It is yeah. the subcultures, yeah. it is the subcultures that undermine what's going on in the world. And so people end up with um, acting on uh, whatever information they, they, they've been raised with and they have come to believe and so they act on this. So like in your world, as a journalist, you are trying to report on whatever your interest in because you want to make the world a better, a better place through the means of reflection that you are bringing to the table. Mm. So what was Jesus trying to do? Was he trying to also say, look, I understand what the will of God is for the world and I'm coming to help you to see the benefit of that world um, in, in, this, in this life. And it's it's a radical calling. It's mm. going to change. Where where I'm saying to you, your your response to somebody who's who's been um, who's, who's, who's who behaves like your enemy is to revenge yourself if things are done, or to be on the offensive so mm. that you are defending yourself. Um, uh, the radical nature of following me and of who I'm, I'm all about is that my response to that would be how to love your enemy. Mm. In so doing, you 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 win that person over, hopefully to a better way of thinking about themselves, and a better way of interpreting a wider world, and not interpreting the world just from their it's a little spot where they have uh, their cultural spot or their contextual spot where mm. they thought mm. everything there. 
So Jesus broadens the whole thing uh, uh, to possibilities um, that unfortunately challenged the status quo. Um, he uh, um, radicalized the faith in a way, mm. you know. Um, but then when you get into institutional Christianity and religion, uh, because they want to keep you faithful to their cause, yeah. they will limit you into a category of thinking, of theologizing, even of praying. You've only got to come pray in a particular kind of way. Um, if you don't use the cliches and stuff that everybody else uses in that context, yeah. you're mm -hmm. praying in the right way. So, so then... That kind of institutionalized behavior um, creates the other mm. and does not seek to include the other. So the, 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 the world where there is that kind of separation ends up as a world full of revenge and enmity and competition towards one another. Um, um, I, I like the statement that Jesus says at the end, that how, how do you not know how to interpret the present time? Mm. And, um, and my question is, does that mean we have to look at what's going on in our world currently as we journey along? Yeah. And, yeah. and look at this world and, and recognize, is, it, is salvation a priority? For, for bettering what is going on, on all spheres. And is that the difference Jesus makes? Certainly for me, he does. But I'm just saying now, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, why would the world, and this is my question, does the world need radical discipleship focused on the person and teaching of Jesus to bring about a better world? If Jesus was all about salvation, then in, in, in his dying at the hands of enemies is an act of love and forgiveness mm -hmm. rather than the act of, uh, you did this to me, my dad's going to get you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was the old that, ways, though. That was the old absolutely, ways. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So speaking into the context of, 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 of a National Women's Day, uh, speaking into the context of why is the lectionary wanting us not just to think of prisoners, but thinking of those who minister to them? Mm. What is the intention of that? And is that not the way of salvation Jesus was seeking to offer, even though it is so radical that some may be divided about it, even in the household? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I have in my notes here um, something along the lines of of the tactics that are used in this passage that I can see the psychological tactics where if these words had to be coming from a Donald Trump, for instance, or Billy Graham, <laughs> depending on what side of the, the fence you want to walk that on, uh, it would be construed as psychological warfare um, to kind of, you know, just isolate the fold, because that's what these egomaniacal 
cultists do is that they try and isolate you from the rest of the world so that there is only that doctrine that they are trying to push. And it's delivered on like a very human scale, very relatable level, um, addressing kind of universal concerns within humans, but speaking to like the bad parts of our human nature, which is the fears and like those kinds of things, stoking those fires, which which burn quite fiercely. But you've actually given me some some different insight into this passage, just to kind of come from the idea that there isn't the othering. So so I will I will commend you on that. Uh, but then also around that breakfast table discussion, um, uh, the the gentleman in question was saying, so he has a a baby now and is walking a very alternative, well, it's kind of mainstream right now, so it's like the vegan thing, trying to raise the child as that, but then gets frustrated that the parents are now still very much stuck in that religious ideas. Um, All the anti-current zeitgeist things where it's like uh, the gender identities and all those, those old school ideas of it that a lot of kids nowadays um, well, me included, we we try and push back against or just try and break that cycle uh, because those those ideas are, are not helpful to humanity. Um, but then more getting upset that it's a slight against him and his decisions. So like the parents are not are not are not respecting his point of view. And I was like, but isn't that also a way of like othering the Because I mean, grandparents, the amazing thing about grandparents is that they can love their grandchildren without responsibility. (laughs) 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 And over time, I've come to appreciate that relationship. So it's like, if grandma is feeding the kid sugar or meat or whatever you are against, like doing the things that you don't want to do, um, continuing the cycle that you want to break. Would you rather have them give them the freedom to form a relationship with the child? So you still putting in your 80% of whatever you want to put into that kid. And then the 20% is coming from the outside world, grandparents included. Would you rather want to foster that relationship and have the kid know that you maybe don't agree with it, um, but understand the importance of, of doing that to have the relationship with the grandparents and then report back to you, have the openness of communication with you? Or do you push back to such a point where the grandparent then starts hiding those microaggressions from you and it becomes like a little in crowd there and you never know what happens and then one day you find out and you feel all self-righteous. And it's like, I I think there's a balance there where it's, you have to stop, like we have to stop taking things so personally and allow, because we we can't control what other people think and how other people want to live their lives and their own. So it's like, on the one hand, you want to change, like you want to love your enemies and then maybe see a transformation within them. But that's a very selfish way of looking at things, where it's like, why don't you just start from 
loving your enemies and then like like the 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 what is it the commandment says love your neighbors like you love yourself you know yeah. like truly internalize that and not put the selfish expectations on it not try to force that to make a difference in somebody else's life isn't it interesting that the the war seems to be between um the the world in the world in my mind and my perspective and the world in somebody else's mind and their perspective yeah and um so generationally there seems to be clashes we're living in the same world uh but our perspectives are mm. governed by what we choose to look at the world through which they uh, so now those like grandparents on one side parents on the other side and the poor babies are caught in between yeah. the mindsets of control and why is it that my mind you know what i think and what i've come to believe is uh the only way to look at the world mm. so the only way to raise children they need a little bit of sugar in their life uh, uh but your vegan lifestyle excludes that now who says that what you've discovered as a new thing uh and now the little boy, baby becomes the target of how who's going to form form this child in a balanced way so that when they get to the place where they have to where they are challenged to look at the world through their minds have we influenced them so much along the way because we battled with granny and grandpa mm. uh, you know uh, uh, that kind of thing i was very it was very interesting that as you were talking about that um i went back to a visitation i had done uh, but i need i had to take my eldest one with me but she was small still mm. so um i was sitting in in the front room with this and i think the, the old man was in hospital so i went to visit him after at when he got back home and i put her on the ground and she had walked towards the little coffee table where there was a glass uh, bowl on it. and she grabbed for it naturally and i grabbed for her because you know i i i saw damage coming yes but this auntie put me in my place like nobody has in the past future and probably the present she said to me you leave that child alone you brought it to my house and in this house that rules which you want to implement here does not go here if she wants to touch the glass bowl let she touch the glass bowl mm. if it breaks it's fine i'm not going to charge you so i thought now i go back home having had that experience and how am i supposed to now do i implement the same principles <laughs> do i have to have my child follow the way that i would like her to do bowls are dangerous if they glass you're going to cut yourself uh you know rather not play with them do you do you understand so now yeah. the little child mm-hmm. is caught up in the fight of the two worlds the mindsets an ideological and, uh, battle ideological ideological battle in which there's strong beliefs mm. i i understand this to be the challenge of conversation and listening deeply to each other how can we how can i sit with lindsay and listen to lindsay sharing and appreciate what lindsay is saying even though i may disagree with him 
um, on certain points as he would disagree with me. Mm. But to be able to be enriched by each other, even when we believe differently, even when we see the world in a different, um, from a different perspective, even if our belief systems are not the same. Because at the end of the day, our, our ideology, let's stick to that word, it should be an ongoing development. Mm. Enrichment mm. must happen. You can't stick to your old guns. I mean, even I am thinking of theological um, understandings of certain things in different ways than I, than I used to think about them in the past. It made me look at people regarding, you know, who, who are the people that shape our children's minds? So they are, and the children's lives. When I need a, grand, a godparent, and the person who is the most faithful to faith may be Muslim. Yeah. yeah. But can they make the vows that baptism requires? Mm. Because the parent is choosing to raise the child um, in, that, in that mindset. Would a person of, of uh, let me put it, a person that seeks, seems to have a living faith be able to say, look, my faith is different to yours. This is what your faith says, and I want to encourage you to follow that faith without me telling you what my faith has to do. So I'm not going to proselytize you. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to learn about your faith enough to be able to say, be faithful, grow in that, learn about it, uh, know what the tenets are. Um, and, and I, as a person of faith, as living faith, will be there of support to you. Now, is that radical if we say that's the person I want to be the sponsor of my child because mm. their views are supportive rather than the person who is a Christian and who is perhaps not living the faith, but yeah. in name is a Christian. How a will church that Christian. <laughs> Sorry? A church Christian. Yeah, how does that person's example and 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 uh, teaching help the child? But but there are of course much more deeper stuff that I'm just putting on the table. I'm just saying that uh, is the is the world or is and is the way that we church people think. Whilst we have open doors and hospitality groups and invitations to enter into an encounter with God through the liturgy we provide, are we also doing that on a con conditional level that, that would say to people, this is the line, you, can, you must do this in order to cross it, or is it open? I remember Desmond Tutu saying, because we were busy dealing with the whole issue of should children take communion and what age and all of that, if they are baptized, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into Christ, they are then four members of the church. Mm. So, as and when we say draw near, we say draw near to four members of the church. And then he went on and he said, uh, we were we had a diocesan family day, and he said to the clergy, he said, probably because he was thinking deeply, but he says, I am not going to ask every child that comes up to me, are you? Um, have you gone through your classes to in order to take baptism? If yeah. they hold up their hands, I am going to give them communion. 
Now, that's a radical stance. At the time, it was a very radical mm. stance. And so we do need people to think very deeply because we are more often challenged than not to, to realize our conditions don't really work. Mm. We, we, by conditions, we create the other. Instead of finding a way to be in honestly inclusive. Mm. Mm. That's a that's a very interesting point. Uh, Monique was was no, my sister was asking me the other day why I still take communion, and it it kind of feeds into that because there's been <laughs> it's it's been quite shocking to the minds of like the old school Christians where it's like you must go to communion or like first Holy Communion classes or be confirmed to be able to take communion, and then you see the kids like in church rolling up. They don't even know what to do with their hands, but they want to take the thing. And like my son is seven years old now. So he's fully at that point where he wants to do everything himself. Where it's like, can I mix the eggs before you throw it in the pan? Like, I know I can't do the pan thing because it's like fire and stuff. But can I mix the eggs? And it's like, oh, buddy, the bowl was a little bit too small anyway. So... You're going to mess, but then it's like you, you give them the space to, to do the thing. And it's the same thing that you see in church where traditions, cultures are passed on through mimicry, where the kid sees the the parent taking the communion, so they also want to take the communion. And it's the parent's responsibility to to make the connection, the philosophical connection, ideological connection to between the eating of the thing and then what it actually symbolizes. So it's like I go into a church. I don't say the prayers and the stuff and the commitments to things because that would be lying to myself effectively. And But I go up and I take communion because it's communion. It's a communal act. It's part of the culture of being in that space, you know. And if you if you've made the conscious decision to partake in that cultural practice, it's like it's like you go to a wedding from a different culture and there's a different thing like an appetizer or something and it's not about it's not about what you believe or what you think at the time like if it's if the culture starts like you pitch up and you get a slice of mildly cooked um um liver on arrival but you're vegan and now you like no, I can't do that because I'm vegan. And it's like, you are friends, close friends with the groom or the, the, the bridal party. They've invited you at great expense. You are being exposed to a different culture. Um, where does your own personal beliefs and decisions end? And where does you actively actively stopping yourself from experiencing a part of the world, a part of humanity that you never knew existed end, you know? Mm. I think just uh, one, one relating to the children. Children will tell you, if you're listening closely and observing, when they are ready to be taught the next step. Mm. So... And that's when we have to 
be ready with our teaching skills and our uh, our presence to to then inform them yeah in the language that will help them to understand um we we often when children come to the altar rail the, the message is either uh, body language where the, where the mother conscious that the child is holding up the hands now push the hands away uh, but at the same time she would be receiving the the communion i often tell children when i ask uh, the parents are they does she partake of the communion already then then i see the head shaking no then i tell the child please speak to your mommy about this hmm. Yeah. Your granny. So, in a way, what I'm saying is, you are included here. The language yeah. I'm choosing yeah. is now. You, I want to empower you to address the matter with the person that says you're not ready yet. So, so that's homework for 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 them to to, to participate. So the child will tell us if we are really observant of their development and growth through our listening and through our observation of how they are managing their lives in this big world mm. so um so i think that that's the one thing i want to do the second thing i want to say is let's say we start from the the liturgy is an unfolding encounter with god the you know we go from one uh, stratum of responsorial worship mm. to and then we listen and so on. So when I say, as the celebrant draw near and receive, the choice of, of responding is on the persons who hear in that context yeah. what you've heard. I cannot therefore go and say, to everybody, you know, are you uh, are you sh- are you sure that that you you what's them? I I've got a colleague who, if people come in to the service after the confession, would say to them because of his Catholic roots, uh, those of you that come in late uh, after the confession, would you please ensure that you've made your confession before you take communion? And so it becomes a conditional thing. Mm. I would say, from my perspective, and I'm being very bold here, if anybody dares to come into an act of worship, then they are included in what happens because they can respond as they choose. And the response is not based on my uh, conditional statements. Hopefully what he says is to encourage them to see the importance of confession in preparation of communion, but you have your own set of responses to what you hear and how you engage. Um, I can only play the encouraging role. I'm not there to judge uh, what is going on. In Mm. fact, judgment Mm. creates the other. Mm. Condition yeah. hates the other. It creates yeah. the outsider. It does. So what we're actually saying in this very pleasant conversation <laughs> is that 
the cost of discipleship is discipline. Is that discipline to allow others the same freedoms that you expect? It's that discipline to accept all of the responsibilities placed on you if you decide to be a disciple of Jesus. And that means really interrogating all the corners of, because like a lot of the times we exclude things because it's not comfortable to us, um, or at least we don't know the full implications of those decisions that we made, and we discover that afterwards, which like most things in life. And then I like the thing that you said about the, 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 the baptism and the godparent decision. Uh, because it's a it's a big issue in Monique's life, um, where she's one of the most faithful people I know, and she rarely gets asked to be a a, a godparent, and she blames me because <laughs> these ideas and these these ideas of agnosticism and my controversial views on on the character of of Jesus um, goes out to hundreds of people every week, and then people associate her with that. And please. Guys, if you're listening, um, give her a chance. <laughs> it, it, it might be good. It might be good to, to expand the, the, the child's cultural upbringing to, to influences like myself. But that tell said... Her the next time, yeah? Tell her the next time I get somebody who is looking for godparents... I will propose uh, to them. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't want. Well, uh, like outside of the fold. Because that comes with like responsibilities. Now you have to like buy birthday gifts and Christmas presents, and like now you must no. pay for for a confirmation cake. No, 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 no. We 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 don't that's, need those kinds of of responsibilities. But that's not the responsibility. The only thing that you are asked to do: will you buy your example? Your praise and your teaching encourage this child. Yeah, yeah, that is. But uh, unfortunately, modern culture has bastardized things because everything's being done for social media, and um, these things are expensive, Father. These Absolutely. things are very expensive. But thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, we are open to commentary. Um, you know where to reach, Father, on the WhatsApp lines of the church, if you are in the church. Uh, if you want to get hold of me, I am Lindsay at thatopinionguy.co.za, Lindsay with an E, E-Y. Um, thank you very much. Father, this has been amazing. Uh, any closing remarks? Uh, yeah, um, I must say that Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my... Um, cherished the, the, theologians and and I would I would uh, encourage people to go and look up some of the of his work in terms of quotes on the internet and so on and the book that he that is famous for that lots of us are schooled by is this book called the cost of discipleship remembering that as we remember the prisoners Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned by Hitler because of his views, public views, um, against the uh, what Peter was doing uh, in Germany and what he was wanting to do beyond. So um, he ended up a prisoner of conscience, mm. uh, a prisoner of faith. And, um, and uh, no truer word has been said by him in his own context as is something you and I have to reflect on if we're taking discipleship seriously 
When Christ calls a person, he bids us come to die. And uh, from what we understand of Jesus, he doesn't call us to die alone. He died for us.